wow, James doesn't mince his words, does he? There's no sort of soft, softly, softly start. There's no gentle line-up, no easing in, no small talk here. He just um, he goes straight for the jugular. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And arguments and heated discussions, um, they just happen, don't they, to everyone, every day, everywhere, at school, at work, with your neighbours, in traffic, on social media, in families, even in the most high-profile families. We're surrounded by conflict, but conflict is not negative or positive, it's neutral. Um, how we work through conflict really determines whether it's a negative or a positive experience, because conflict can actually strengthen relationships. It can be an opportunity for growth and development, but here, James is not talking about healthy conflict, but about fights and quarrels. On, um, on the 3rd of April, um, Martin and I will be celebrating our 22nd wedding anniversary. But right at the start of our marriage, we um, had one night that we will never forget. We were with friends, and we were playing a game called Scattergrizz. Now, the idea with a game of Scattergrizz, you basically have this die, which has got, a, um, has got letters on it as opposed to numbers. There's also these lists, and it's got on the list different categories like sea creature, um, a boy's name, a city, something like that. And then there's a timer. And the idea is that you roll the dice and that determines which letter you're talking about. And then everybody has to go through the, um, the, the same list together and the timer is set. And then you answer the categories, the, the different questions. At the end, you go round. There's various ways of scoring points. And uh, if somebody disputes whether your answer is right or not, whether it qualifies or not, basically goes to everybody else on the team to vote. So this letter, uh, the die was rolled, H came up. The category was the things that you might have in your office drawer. So we all went through our um, answers, and as we sort of shared them, and I said, hand cream. That's what I've written, hand cream. And Martin disputed that. And... You know, I was like, he was like, well, of course not. It's a ludicrous thing. What you don't have hand cream in drawer? It's like, yes, I, I do. That is a genuine. That's a genuine thing I have in my office drawer. I suffer with quite dry hands, so I have hand cream in my drawer. I, I, what does everybody else think in the building here? Yes or no for hand cream? Hands up if it's hand cream as a keeper. Yeah, we've got it. Okay, it's the ladies. It's the ladies, isn't it? So really, Martin was like, no. And actually, it went to the vote. And the vote, they, they disagreed with me. And so um, actually, what turned out to be a really, you know, what started off would be a really nice, fun evening, actually turned out, we had a really heated argument about it. And I think they voted against me because we, our friends also happened to be Martin's brother and sister-in-law. So I think there was like a family loyalty thing that was going on. It was a fix. And, um, but the thing is, like, we've never played that that game since, because it actually turned out to be a really difficult, quite painful um, area to, to sort of go through. And that's probably why we're celebrating our 22nd wedding anniversary in three weeks' time, because we've never played that game since. It's a trivial example, isn't it? isn't it? But it's often differences of opinion that can cause and fuel arguments. And there are many conflicting opinions in our nation right now around social and economic inequality, racial and gender inequality, all of which are very prevalent in the news and social media this week. And the question that James says here is not, are there fights and quarrels among you, but what causes fights and quarrels among you? And it's only when we understand the cause that we can find the cure. So what's the cause? And G James looks in the passage and he answers his own question for us. He says, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? So James is saying that 
Frustrated feelings cause fights. The arguments we get into with other people is actually often to do with our own inner battles, our own inner desires. And there's three desires that I just want to pull from these verses. The first one is the desire for possessions. It says, you desire but do not have. You covet but you cannot get what you want. You know, there will always be a newer phone, a new Fortnite skin, a new pair of shoes, a new bag, a new bike, a new plant, whatever your thing is, there will always be something, um, a desire to have more. And this is so hard because, you know, we live in a consumer society. We're being told all the time, you must have this, you need that, it's going to make you feel better, it's going to improve your life. And the temptation is that we think this stuff's going to satisfy, and the temptation is to be so busy trying to make a living for these things that we forget to make a life. And the important thing in life is relationships, and ultimately, relationship with Jesus. We need to use things and love people, not love things and use people. The second is the desire for pleasure. We live in a culture where personal pleasure is elevated. It's like if it feels good for you, um, if it makes you happy, you know, life is to be enjoyed. Pleasure is a good thing. But when the pursuit of pleasure becomes the goal, we're bound to experience conflict. Thirdly, the desire for position. This might be a position of power or prominence or popularity, seeking the approval of people around us. All these desires for possessions, for pleasure, and for position are ultimately rooted in pride, in wrong motives. It says in verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And it's out of these frustrated desires that comes conflict, conflict with God, conflict with ourselves, and conflict with others. And it's these things that then lead to external confrontation. James is saying it's not relationship, friendship with the world that satisfies, but only friendship with God. So if pride is the cause, then grace is the cure. And this free gift of grace through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can know friendship with God. All we need to do is to be humble enough, genuinely humble enough to receive it. James says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In the NIV, it says favor, but in most other translations, it says he gives grace to the humble. So, how do we avoid arguments? James says in verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. You know, there's actually loads of stuff in the Bible about quarreling. There's tons of passages, particularly in Proverbs, which is one of the wisdom books of the Bible. Proverbs 20, verse 3 in the New Living Translation says, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. So we are encouraged to submit to God's wisdom to avoid arguments. And then the verses following, they can be summed up with three R's. Resist, receive, and repent. Resist. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The truth is, the devil wants to bring chaos in our lives. Um, I think sometimes 
maybe even as Christians, we forget that there is a devil around who actually wants to prey on our pride, and he prowls around our desires for possessions, pleasure, and position. But we can resist the devil just like Jesus did, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and lives in me. In Matthew's gospel, we read how the devil tempted Jesus, and just like us, he was tempted in every way to pursue pleasure when he was tempted to turn stones into bread for his physical satisfaction, to prove his position and power when the devil was telling him to jump from the temple, to obtain possessions when the devil said to him, worship me and you will inherit the kingdoms of the world. And to each one, Jesus responded by quoting scripture. He knew God's word and he resisted the devil's attacks by wielding that sword as it's described in Ephesians. And when we read God's word daily, we're far better to be equipped for the day and to resist the temptation to get into fights and quarrels. And I just find that when I read the Bible each morning, the trajectory of my day is better um, than when I don't. I find that I'm less worried, less anxious about things that are coming up, and it helps to frame my perspective of the day. And I'm just generally more at peace. And for me to do that, I find a routine is really helpful. So I start the day reading Nikki and Pippa Gumbel's Bible in one year. And um, it's super easy. You just download the free app. You click on the day. It takes you through a little introduction. Then there's the various Bible readings. There's the commentary. And there's a prayer at the end. And if you, you know, you can either read it or you can listen to it. Often I will just listen to it in the morning when I'm getting ready, when I'm getting dressed in the morning. Or like last year, I just did the New Testament in one year. Um, I really felt the Lord speak to me about saying, I want you to read less, but hear more. And so actually to take a bit more time over fewer passages. So whatever works for you, but find something that works for you that you can do daily. And to having a routine, having a habit of some kind really helps to maintain it. And as well as good, healthy habits and patterns, we need to be intentional about recognizing unhealthy ones too. You know, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, um, what we watch, what we listen to, whether we get enough sleep, what we consume. And the other day, I was on social media. I was wanting to send a message to somebody that um, she'd given this talk, and I just thought it was really good, and I wanted to encourage her. So I found her on social media, and I just wanted to just give a quick message, which I did. And then I ended up just scrolling through stuff, things like um, a digger that had been painted like the face of a monster. So as it was going down and grabbing the rubble, it looked like a monster was sort of eating it. Like, strangely bizarre, but incredibly compelling. And I just found myself just like looking at stuff like that. So what was a 20-second encouragement turned out to be a 20-minute distraction. Um, uh, perhaps I'm the only one that does that. You know, you start off with one intention and you found yourself somewhere quite different. And it's so easy to do with the internet. You know, a click of the button and you found yourself perhaps looking at stuff that's not just random and a waste of time, but stuff that's destructive and damaging. A thought becomes an action, an action becomes a habit, and a habit becomes a destiny. One day I saw... Um, a mouse in our kitchen, and uh, then another evening, I saw a mouse running along the top of the sofa as grim. And then one night, 
I realized it wasn't just one mouse. We had an infestation. And they weren't just downstairs. They were upstairs. And in the middle of the night, I could hear this scratching. And I got my phone, I turned the light on, and I shone it at the skirting board. And I was met with these two eyes staring at me. I was like, Martin, Martin, get up, get up and do with the mouse. Martin's not got very good eyesight. So in the middle of the night, it's like, what are you going on about? But the thing is, um, you know, with mice, once they're in, they're really hard to get rid of. Because once they're in, they breed so quickly. And they're a nuisance, but they're not only that. They could be really quite dangerous because they were, they were in the walls of the house. Like, you can hear them scuttling up and down the walls. And they're gnawing away at the wiring. It messes with the wiring of your house. So to, the, to, um, to get rid of them in the house, we had to do three things. The first thing was identify where they were coming in. What was the source? Where was their entry point? We worked out that they were coming in. We were lucky enough to have a garage where we were living. They were coming in through the garage. We used to have a dog, and so there was this massive bag of dog food in the garage. And also in the garage, there was um, the outlet to the tumble dryer. So it was warm, and they had food to last them like a lifetime. So they were happy there and coming in and out. And we realized that um, the, where their entry point is into the house, we basically got a steel wall and started shoving that everywhere else. So the first thing was to identify where they were coming in, shoving that wire wall into the tiny gaps that led them into the house. And the second thing was to cut off their food supply. So basically, we had to get rid of the dog food there. And... Um, and, and stop them basically just having a, a fantastic time just breeding in our garage and running around our house. The third thing we had to do is we had to clean everywhere. So I went crazy with the antibacterial spray all around the house. And then Martin and I completely emptied the garage and we bleached the whole thing, like the whole thing. We were sweeping, uh, actually, you know, messes with your head, doesn't it, if there's too much bleach around. But we're sweeping the bleach in all the little nooks and crannies, trying to get rid of, um, just to clean and get rid of these mice. And I think unhealthy habits and temptations, um, they can be a little bit like that. They start off with one small, seemingly harmless, insignificant thing, like the mouse. They can get into the tiniest of places in our minds. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves overrun with negative, unhelpful, destructive thoughts. And maybe there's this unhealthy habit that you are stuck in at the moment that you're struggling with. And my encouragement is, like with the mice, is to one, identify the source. Shine a light on it and cut it off. And then two, work out, are there things in your lifestyle that are fueling this, that are feeding it somehow, creating this sort of unhealthy breeding ground that's perpetuating the thought pattern or habit that's ultimately robbing you of freedom. And thirdly, ask Jesus to come and cleanse you with his forgiveness through the blood he shed on the cross. Talk with someone you trust. These things often are really hard, almost impossible, virtually impossible to deal with by yourself. So talk to somebody about it as well. And if you're feeling like the pattern is so entrenched in you, in the walls of your house, as it were, messing with your wiring, and know that there is hope. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, your wiring. You can be transformed. For some, their experience is supernaturally instantaneous. Um, it's instant freedom and healing. For others, it's a process. 
but for everyone, it's possible with Jesus. So knowing the Bible and putting in boundaries are keys to helping us resist the devil. Secondly, receive. Receive from God. James says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's a powerful promise. Come near to God and he will come near to you. It's not just an idea. It's a reality. God's power and God's presence is available to us when we read the Bible, when we pray, when we worship, when we come into his presence. He meets with us. It's his longing. It's his desire to meet with us. And I know people connect with God in different ways. I often, I just sense God's presence in worship. It's one of the things I found really hard about this year is that not being able to gather together in person to worship and sing together. So I've been, you know, at home putting on my worship Spotify list and when I'm getting ready in the morning or in the kitchen or whatever I'm doing or walking around, I'll be listening to that. And um, it helps me to come close to God in worship. And I encounter him and I find... When I do those kind of things, I tend to argue less than when I don't. So to avoid arguments, we need to resist, receive, and the third R is repent. James says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. I'll be honest, I much prefer a passage to speak on that's got a bit of fun in it. I was feeling like, so what's going to be funny about this? It's like, oh no, James. Say what, what, you, what do you really think? Say what you really feel. It's pretty punchy. Again, there's no softly, softly, gently, gently here. You know, but these verses are telling us, don't minimize your behavior. Don't minimize it. But say sorry. That's what repentance is. It's saying sorry. And these verses, wash your hands. It's about saying sorry for our actions. Purify your hearts. It's talking about our attitudes. We can come to God and ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness. That's again the promise. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So how do I argue less? Get good at saying sorry. Sorry to God and sorry to one another. And I just think sorry is one of those words. It can get a bit stuck in your throat, can't you? It's like, do you want to say something? Jerk. I just can't. I just can't quite say sorry. I find it really hard, Martin will tell you, to say sorry sometimes. And I just think, if you genuinely are someone who just goes, I know that's me, I know it's really hard to say sorry, then try saying sorry for the little, sort of more minor things, you know, or sorry I interrupted you, or um, or sorry I took the mick out of you when you didn't find that funny. Or maybe those are big things in your life with people around you. But try and find those smaller things to say sorry, because as you do that, it gets easier to say sorry for the big, bigger things. And just as our words can be a spark that can cause a fire, like we looked at last week with the power of the tongue, an apology can be like water that puts out a fire. And it might be that you've been listening. Maybe you've been just thinking about, what you're going to be eating later on today or school or work or whatever's going on for you this week. But maybe, as you've been listening, someone has come to mind. Maybe you've thought about somebody that you've got this quarrel going on with. You've got this argument. There's this conflict with. And perhaps, maybe, it's a, it's a prompting. It's an opportunity for you to say sorry. Or perhaps you've realized that quarrels and arguments and fights seem to punctuate your day they seem to follow you around, whether that's at work, with friends, on the road, or at home. 
And this book of James is not only punchy, but it's also profoundly practical. You know, we all have an opportunity today to look at conflict. It's, it's an inevitable part of life. But to respond well, to avoid arguments, fights and quarrels, to submit to God, to resist the devil, and, and don't allow him to wreak havoc in your relationships, but instead to receive Jesus, to receive his Holy Spirit. And we can know then that we can repent and say sorry. We can know total forgiveness. And as we have been forgiven, so we can forgive others. I just find this so challenging. But James finishes with this comforting promise. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. We don't need to elevate ourselves with position, with pleasure, with possessions, which never satisfies anyway. But we can look to and live like the one Jesus who satisfies, who humbled himself, who made himself nothing, being, took on the nature of a servant and, and went to death, even death on a cross. And then the Father exalted him, elevated him, lifted him up to the highest place, as paraphrasing from Philippians. But in him, we too are lifted up. When we trust in him, when we trust in his promise, for today and for the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even though sometimes some of the things we read are really hard-hitting, they're also really practical for our day-to-day lives. And I pray today, Lord, for each one of us that we might feel the prompting of your spirit to be people of peace um, I pray, Lord, that you would help those of us who uh, are in a, uh, an issue of conflict or quarreling at the moment. Lord, that you'd come by your spirit, that you'd help us to humble ourselves and that you might lift us up in that. Lord, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us where we seem to elevate ourselves. But Lord, I ask that you'd come into those relationships and bring your peace. And Lord, for those of us who find that quarreling and arguments seem to follow us around, help us, we pray. Help us as we resist the devil, as we receive your spirit, and as we repent of our ways to know new life, freedom, and forgiveness in you. In Jesus' name, amen.